You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is February 25th, which means it's the last week of Black History Month. And that's why, my friends, I have decided for the final time that I am going to make new Black history by becoming the first ever Black Karen. Do you have a license for that skateboard? Hey, f- you. Where's your mask, lady? I don't have to wear a mask. I pay taxes. What an amazing day for our people. I think I did pretty well. Anyway, on tonight's show, why your tattoo could come back to haunt you, an explosive story about cats, and why the state of America's electric grid will shock you. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Folks, it's been another long, long, long week. The pandemic reached a grim milestone. People in Texas struggled to get clean water. And now someone stole Lady Gaga's dogs which is crazy. Do you know how hard it is to lure dogs away from someone who dresses in meat? So instead of ending the week on a frown, let's turn that thing upside down with another installment of Ray of Sunshine. One of the worst stories recently has been the crisis in Texas. But even that had a ray of sunshine as a bad situation brought out the best in some people. In Houston, two strangers took in a delivery driver for five days after she got stranded during the storm. Wow, last week, Chelsea Timmons says she got stuck outside their home while delivering groceries just as the brunt of that storm moved through. The couple tried to get her a tow truck, but no one showed up. So they opened up their home to her. We're like, just come inside, hang out, we'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, and at, at some point we realized that uh, we were probably gonna have a house guest for a few days, which was fine. And Chelsea made an amazing coconut cake the other day too. Oh, <laughs> that is the sweetest, most heartwarming abduction I have ever seen. This is like if the movie Get Out was made by the Hallmark Channel. And you know, these days when everyone is so suspicious and distrustful of strangers, it's really wonderful to hear about a couple that didn't hesitate for a second to help a stranger in need. In fact, you know what? I'm gonna write them an email. Dear American friends, I am a Nigerian prince who has lots of money and you can't help me. The only person who this isn't a happy story for is the guy who ordered coconuts that never showed up. Cause I mean, he was shivering in his house like, don't worry kids, we're gonna make it through this just fine. Oh man, just as soon as those coconuts get here. Let's move on to a ray of sunshine from Ohio. A story that starts out scary, but ends scarily adorable. An Ohio bomb squad made a surprise discovery responding to a call about a suspicious bag found outside a church. Well, they weren't met with uh, ticking, but purring coming from the bag. Six newborn kittens and their mother were discovered. In a note that says Sprinkles had gone into labor the day earlier. And they're all being cared for. They're all well at the local animal shelter there. Wow. What a relief that must have been. A bunch of kittens is the best thing you can hope to see when you're expecting to see a bomb. 
I mean, it's like going to your grandpa's funeral, but instead, Beyonce pops out of the casket for a surprise concert. Oh, I mean, it's too bad you didn't get to bury your grandpa, but hey, Beyonce, I'm in there, bad grandpa, bad grandpa. So, it really is great news that this wasn't a bomb. Although, after one week with seven cats in your house, you'll wish it had just been a bomb. And look, I know we should be careful, but did this really have to go straight to the bomb squad? I mean, like, it feels like a couple more questions on the 911 call could have helped. Okay, sir, is the bag meowing? It is? All right, then those are kittens, sir. Yeah, that's not a bomb. Okay, bye-bye. 911, what is your emergency? Mm-hmm. Now, is the fire meowing? Yeah, those are kittens, ma'am. Yeah, that's not a fire. Okay, then, bye-bye. 911, what's your emergency? At the same time, though, I will admit, it is still too early to let our guard down. I mean, bombers are really clever people, so this could all be a long game. You know, you bring home those sweet kittens, you take care of them, you snuggle them, you listen to them purr. They become part of the family, and then one night, 10 years from now, you open your eyes, and your cat is on your chest holding a trigger button like, boom, bitch. Meow. All right, let's move on now from six tiny kittens to one giant sheep, and another great animal rescue story from the week. Rescuers in Australia found a sheep that had close to 78 pounds Whoa. of wool dragging him down. Look at this guy. <laughs> he was underweight and all that gargantuan <laughs> fleece even covered his eyes. The rescuers took him to Edgar's Mission Farm Sanctuary. That's where he promptly received a good shearing. Sheep typically have to be sheared at least once a year to keep them healthy. Look at all that. Talk about the socks and the sweaters. Oh, man. I am so happy for that sheep. And he must have been relieved too. I bet he was like, man, thank you. My dick looks so much bigger now. That's incredible though. They shaved 78 pounds of wool off of one sheep. That's enough to make one mitten for Bernie Sanders. And finally, here's a young woman whose good attitude turned her embarrassing mishap into internet clout. A trend going around TikTok is asking people to share their most regrettable tattoo. And it looks like one poor woman from Kentucky takes the cake. Okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and let you guys know that I won. Um, so I got this tattoo. Um, I've wanted it for a couple of years. Basically means like, you know, being true to yourself and real and like not pretending to be something you're not. I got this March 4th, 2020. And it says, courageously and radically refuse to wear a mask. She says she's not an anti-masker, says she was so embarrassed she wore long sleeve clothes all summer long <laughs> to hide it. All right, you've got to feel bad for this woman. Just trying to make a personal statement and ending up on the wrong side in the culture wars? I mean, the only way out of this thing is just to go full Post Malone and get tattoos everywhere, just stack them up. Yeah, cause good luck picking out an individual message on that guy. He could have his ATM pin somewhere in there and we wouldn't know, nobody would know. But this is the problem with getting a tattoo to express a personal statement. Like if you're gonna get a tattoo, people, there's a simple rule to follow. Just make sure you get a tattoo of something that will never change, you know? Like Mr. Potato Head. No matter what happens, Mr. Potato Head will always be Mr. They did what now? But you know what? Kudos, because she's laughing about it, she's having a good time, and even better news, she just got a primetime show on Fox News. For more on this story, I want to bring in my friend, Desi Lydic. Desi, I know you love these kinds of stories as much as I do. It's such bad luck, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> because I mean, like, what are the chances of getting a tattoo 
where like things change and then all of a sudden, sudden the tattoo becomes like really controversial. <laughs> it's so wild. Stop it, let it go, Trevor. Can happen to anybody. Oh, damn, Desi, I, I feel like I hit a nerve. I feel like I hit a nerve. Yeah, 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 you know what? You did hit a nerve, Trevor. This lady isn't the only one dealing with this. I also got an inspirational tattoo that became kind of embarrassing this year. What? Stop the steal. Wait, you think Trump had the election stolen from him? No, no, I got this in 2010 after a breakup. It was just to remind myself to stop letting bad relationships steal my precious time. Now every time I wear short sleeves outside, I get a visit from the FBI. Well, I mean, I'm really sorry, Desi, but I guess, I guess at least you can just wear long sleeves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't help with the other one, but... Wait, like, you've got another bad tattoo? <sighs> okay, but don't, don't judge me, all right? Please? Uh, I, I, I promise? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm, well. This one is small and tasteful on my knuckles. I heart Q. Whoa, Desi! Well, you believe in QAnon? No! Trevor! I believe in the Q train, okay? Excuse me for supporting public transportation. I mean, how was I supposed to know that it would become the worst letter in the alphabet? Oh, man. Wow. Wow, all right. Well, I, I didn't realize how common this was. Maybe for the future, just like, maybe you shouldn't get tattoos. It's probably safer, you know? Yeah, I, I won't. I'm done. Except I, I did just recently get a really special tattoo that you can't misinterpret. <laughs> it's in Sanskrit on my neck. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, oh yeah, okay. My Sanskrit is rusty, but I... Oh, Desi. Oh, no, Desi, that says Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah, I know. Wait, so you, you think... You know what? <laughs> Let's not get into that. Let's just... Uh, all right, well... Well, good luck, good luck with the tattoos and, um, and, and life and stuff. This, this was weirder than I thought it was going to be. I was thinking about getting a lizard person right on my calf. We should, we, I, I, we should, I lost, I lost you. My wife, my wife, I did, uh, bro. Uh -huh. All right, when we come back, we'll figure out why all of America could end up like Texas. And Kevin Garnett is my guest on the show. So stick around. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Over the past week, we all watched the chaos unfold when Texas's electric grid threw the entire state into chaos. It was basically the biggest blackout since Brett Kavanaugh celebrated getting on the Supreme Court. But Texas is far from the only state to experience massive power outages. And the question is, why does America's energy grid have so many problems? Well, let's find out why in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. know how the electric system works, right? You plug your phone in, you unplug it, you plug it back in because it's only at 11%, and then you just stand by the wall all day scrolling through Instagram. But what's going on behind that wall might surprise you. In 1882, on Pearl Street in New York City, Thomas Edison opened the world's first commercial electric grid. 
lighting up local homes and businesses, with cables connected to his power station. The modern electric grid connects to 7,300 major power plants through nearly 160,000 miles of high-voltage transmission lines and millions of miles of low-voltage lines to bring power to over 150 million customers. There are only four distinct electrical grids that service essentially all of North America. You have the two big ones, Western and Eastern, and the two electrical separatists, Quebec and Texas. The electrical grid is the most massive machine that humans have ever built. Here in the United States, uh, we use something like five or six times more energy per person than anywhere else in the world. Of course Americans consume that much energy. Americans invented a bike that you have to plug in, doesn't even go anywhere, and costs more than 10 regular bicycles. But yes, the electrical grid is the most massive machine that man has ever built. And it's amazing how it connects the entire continent. I mean, just think, while you're blending a smoothie in your kitchen, Donald Trump is using the same electricity to shred his tax returns. It's actually beautiful when you think about it. Wow. So there's no doubt that this is an impressive system. Unfortunately, much like a tweet from 2010, it hasn't aged well. The U.S. electric grid loses power almost three times more often than it did in 1984, much more than any other industrialized nation. Japan loses power an average of four minutes a year. But in the Northeast U.S., 214 minutes, and it just keeps getting worse. In 2010 alone, disruptions in our inefficient power grid cost our country in excess of $100 billion. We actually lose about 60% of the energy that we generate. Most of the infrastructure that we use today um, hasn't changed much since 30, 40, 50 years ago. Some of the country's power systems predate the 20th century. Um, if Thomas Edison walked into <laughs> a modern substation, he'd feel very much at home. Yeah, he would feel at home, especially if he saw Joe Biden on TV. Hey, my old pal Joe is president. Joe, why are you so small? Get out of that box, Joe. But this is pretty worrisome. America's living in 2021 with an electric grid that's barely been updated in the past 50 years. You have to update technology more often than that, people. I mean, imagine trying to get through your life with the first iPhone. You couldn't even use the Maps app because New York wasn't a state back then. So clearly the grid needs to be upgraded. And we'd better do it soon because the problem is heating up. In the last half century, there have been more and more power outages because of weather and it'll only get worse because of our changing climate. The grids are facing more extreme conditions more often and are susceptible to really, really major failures. Our grid is no match for wildfires, no match for hurricanes and flooding. As weather patterns and temperatures get more and more extreme, the extremely hot and the extremely cold days end up driving the most significant peaks that utilities have to manage. Air conditioners can account for uh, up to half of the electricity being used in the country. The first thing that happens when you have a hot day is people use their air conditioners. The increase in um, the abundance of air conditioning uh, throughout the country um, certainly uh, means that more people can turn on air conditioning at all at about the same time. That's right. America is using way more air conditioning than its grid can handle. And I know that for a fact. Offices in this country are so cold you could store corona vaccines in your desk. And thanks to the extreme temperatures that climate change creates, this problem is only gonna get worse. And maybe you're not worried. You know, maybe you're thinking, ah, oh, Eventually, climate change is gonna get so bad that I'll be stuck between a wildfire and a blizzard creating the perfect temperature. But on the off chance that that doesn't happen, America needs to find alternative methods of climate control. 
Like I know I do that, you know? When I'm cold, I just turn on Bridgerton. You know, those accents, the decor, reggae John Page's smolder. Whew, <laughs> I'm hot already, okay. But it's not just nature that's putting the electric grid at risk. It's also technology. Of all the critical components of the U.S. infrastructure, the power grid is one of the most vulnerable to cyber attack. Imagine if the critical infrastructure we rely on every single day simply shut down. Power plants, banking systems, air traffic control, subways, all are vulnerable. Russian government hackers are actively trying to penetrate the grid to carry out potential attacks. They are already in the grid. The Russians are in, the Chinese are in. The Iranians may be on the verge of getting in. Ironically, it's our less sophisticated electric providers who may have an edge here. Rural co-ops account for 42 million people. None of these co-ops relies on the internet for the distribution of power. That's right, people. Sometimes the less fancy something is, the more you can count on it. Like Danny DeVito. That's why when everyone is messing around with their Spotify playlists on their iPhone 12s, I'm jamming out to CDs on my old reliable Discman. It's been, it's been, it's been. But those rural providers aside, America is in real trouble here. If America's electricity is hacked, that could mean hospitals lose power. The banking system collapses. Boeing planes fall out of the sky, even more than they already do. And there are so many countries already in America's grid that they're probably just arguing over who will actually get to cause the blackouts. What are you doing? Get out of here. We were here first. Get out of here, Russia. You already did an election. Give us something, huh? In fact, you know what they need to do? They need to update the Geneva Conventions for this new kind of warfare. They gotta be like, okay, look, we can bomb each other as much as we want, but can we agree no cutting power when there's a new one division? That's a war crime. So this is a scary future that the world is facing. But the good news is the United States now has Space Force. I mean, they won't be able to protect the power grid, but if it does go down, someone in space can look down on Earth and be like, yep, it looks like the lights are out down there. Everything's off. And that, my friends, is huge. Now, luckily, hackers haven't done any major damage to America's power grid yet. But wait till you hear what has. One of the biggest threats to the U.S. power grid isn't state actors or natural disasters. It's that little gray mammal invading your bird feeder. In fact, it's difficult to know the severity of our squirrel sabotage problem because it happens so frequently. Utility industry groups say they're the most common cause of grid trouble. They cause one of every five outages. One ill-fated squirrel can knock out power for thousands of customers or trip up whole financial markets. Squirrels have short-circuited NASDAQ not once, but twice from the same city in Connecticut. Well, well, well. Turns out squirrels have been sabotaging us. And we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, have you ever seen a squirrel? They always look like they're plotting some shit. And I guess it turns out if squirrels were the real threat all along, some of us need to start apologizing to our dogs because it turns out they were good boys, very good boys. So yes, when you look at the state of America's electric grid, it is not a pretty picture. It's under threat from climate change, from hackers, and even jumped up rats. Honestly, just thinking about how the entire country could be shut down in an instant is starting to stress me out. 
In fact, I'm getting so stressed. I, I think I'm just gonna take a moment to listen to some of my relaxing tunes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, when we come back, NBA legend Kevin Garnett joins me on the show. So don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with NBA champion and 15-time All-Star Kevin Garnett. We talked about his Hall of Fame career, life before and after basketball, and where to from here. Kevin Garnett, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you, man. Thank you, Trev. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, it's too dope to have you here. First things first, like, why, why is it so dark? What, what's going on over there? Um, you know what? We're not in the studio. Um, I like indirect lighting myself. I don't like direct lighting. I don't like lots <laughs> of light hitting me. You know, I was trying to tell the producers I got a high-level melanin, so y'all just going to have to deal with some of this darkness. <laughs> today, you know? I'm, I'm bringing some balance to the whole Trevor show today, you know? All right, all right. I feel it. I feel it. We got, like, we got, we got, a, we got an ebb and flow going here. Okay, I like that. I like more. Well, welcome to the show. Either way, I can see you. I can feel your presence. And uh, before we get into the book, let me say, first of all, congratulations on making it into the NBA Hall of Fame. And, man, you did it in style as well because you're a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's pretty amazing. How does it feel? It feels amazing, man. You know... As you would know, putting putting all your time and effort into a craft and believing in yourself and wanting to, you know, grow uh, a passion that's within you uh, is is not ideal in a in a <laughs> in a black home. Uh, thinking big, dreaming big, um, all of those things going to having a vast imagination and chasing a dream, um, only to find yourself in your dream and now you're in it. Now what do you do? So. To be able to be able to um, reach heights, reach dreams, uh, I, I couldn't, I, listen, I couldn't have wrote this. You know, I couldn't have came up with this in my, in my wildest imagination. Your, your induction into the Hall of Fame comes with a, a, a bittersweet story to it, you know, because you were inducted along your, your peer and your friend, Kobe Bryant. You know, now he was a, a fellow giant in the sport. And, and one thing I've really always wondered about is how you could be friends with somebody when you guys wanted to kill each other on the court because you would watch the games, you know, when it was Celtics, Lakers, it's just like, it's just like, God, I want to kill you. And it's like, you guys are friends off the court. D did that ever spill over? Were you ever too friendly on the court or ever too aggressive in life? Uh, no, I think Kobe and I had a great balance of respect for each other. I think when you hit the floor um, as gladiators, you have a respect, but it's within the lines, but it's free game, you know, it's all about advantage. Um, and you're trying to look for their advantage every minute, every second of the game. And when you come off the court, it's a lot less uh, intense, it's a lot more intimate. Uh, the conversations are, are obviously long running and, and, and they're in depth. Um, but when you're between the lines, there are no rules, um, only respect. And uh, if you don't have respect, then it goes another way. But I think Kobe and I had a great understanding of each other. Um, I met him when he was when he was very young. We we started off, you know, when we were very young, right. in a relationship, and we and we and we kept that throughout our whole times in the league. So it's only right that we go in the hall together. Yeah, man, it's it's been an amazing journey that you've been on, and I feel like you're one of those people where every time I learn more about you, I like you more. You know, obviously I loved you as a basketball player because I was like, KG is killing the game, you know? And then in Uncut Gems, I was like, man, this is a new side of KG I never thought I would see. But now we get to live your life with you because you've released a memoir that's coming out this week, KG, 
A to Z. It's an uncensored encyclopedia of life, basketball, and everything in between. And you've literally written it like an encyclopedia. The book goes A, B, C, D, all the way right. to Z. Talk me through why KG decided to write a book like that. Because, I mean, that's not how everyone writes a memoir. I'm not a memoir guy. I'm, a, I'm more of a mathematician. I'm more science. I'm more into history. I'm more into world geography. You know, I'm not a, you know, when I read a, a bunch of uh, papers, I, I skim through. I'm not always saying the V, the A, and, you know, I'm a skimmer, right. you know. And um, I wanted the book to be able to be followed very easily. I, I Sometimes when I read stuff, I get lost in how the format, the paragraphs are really in-depth. So I wanted to, to be able to, to write something that was easy to follow and, you know, something that you can enjoy. It is enjoyable, man, because you, you, you have lived a life. Everything in, in, your, in your book gives us insights into something. You know, if people love KG on the court, there's parts about KG on the court. There's co- parts about, like, just where you learn things about who you are as a person. Like, you, you for instance, you have a, like, you, you're a very serious player, but you love messing with people, you know? Um, one of my favorite things you did, and I never used to understand this, because you must remember, I only learned about basketball maybe like seven years ago, is I, I would always see you hitting the ball away when people would shoot after the timeout has been called. And I was always like, oh, do they get the point? And people would be like, nah, KG just does it. I was like, why is he doing that? Everyone's like, I don't know. But now we know. It's because you were trying to mess with people who were trying to get their rhythm going. It's, 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 it's a combination of things, Trevor. Like, you know, confidence. And, and on this level, when you play with guys in the league, the only thing they need to see is the ball go through a couple of times or even right. one time. Reggie Miller, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, guys who, uh, LeBron, guys who can actually beat you by just a blink of an eye have that switch. And I used to be mindful of that switch. And when guys would try to, you know, be shooting, you know, will, will have themselves in bad shooting nights. I would, I would just, uh, part of it was being a, a a-hole too, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, you know, poking the bear a little bit. But a lot of it was just to throw off rhythm and to really make someone really like, like, you know what, stop doing that. And and that's, you know, it, the more I can mess with you and the more I saw it affecting you, the more I would probably do it. But yeah, it, it was effective. Yeah, man, you, you you might call yourself a bit of an a-hole at times, but man, there are, there are parts of this book that show us how complicated and dynamic you are as a person, you know? I, I really appreciated how you talked about struggling with attention deficit disorder, how you struggled, you know, living with dyslexia and learning how to learn without that or with that impediment in your life. It, it seems like something a lot of people wouldn't share, especially self-doubt. You know, when people think of Kevin Garnett, we don't necessarily ever think of self-doubt being in a sentence with your name. Why do you think it was so important for you to share that with people and say, hey, these are the things that KG has struggled with off the court? Trevor, I wanted to give people confidence. I wanted to be able to say it's okay to have ailments. You know, we're all a human. Everyone's not perfect. We all have flaws. Um, growing up, I didn't necessarily know what was going on. I didn't know why, you know, things appeared the way they were and why I was processing the way I was. So in this whole book, I wanted to be able to have the readers be able to grab some solution from from what I was from some of the things I was talking about. Uh, that doubt you speak on is same. It's the same doubt that drives you. It's the same mm-hmm. doubt that pushes you every day. Right. And you know the message in that and having these uh, ADDs or these deficits is to continue to push through. I never let any of this hold me back. I figured it out. It was an odd way to figure some of this stuff out, but it, it worked at the end of the day. And the message here is to continue to push through no matter whatever it is. It is a solution to everything. And I really like to believe that. So I want to share that with everybody to show the human side of me too. You know, people see right, me. Right, right, right. 
and this great athlete and you running and jumping and all this and they don't really understand that you know you know it's it's a it's a whole bunch of other things that go into uh the makeup of a person so i want to show more human side of yeah man the book takes us into all the things that go into the makeup of this human in particular one of the scariest stories to read in the book because it just shows how much a person's life could change in an instant is when you talk about being in high school and getting into a fight, defending your friend who was getting beaten up by these white kids. The next thing you know, you are being put up for lynching charges, which is a capital offense where you were in South Carolina. I mean, this is, this is a scary world for you to be in when you think to yourself, that one thing could have changed your life and there might be no Kevin Garnett in the Hall of Fame right now. Facts, facts. And um, this where <clears throat> the saying bad association sports, useful habits come into play. And, you know, I was a young kid at, at the time and I'm a very loyal person. People know me for that. And, you know, you get yourself in situations and, and you don't really think when you're young. You're just more right. of a react, you know. And, <clears throat> and going through that situation, it taught me to actually think before actually responding or actually reacting to things. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to go through that process and come out of it and find a rainbow at the end, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I took a negative, I, you know, I took myself uh, and I was completely invested in whatever the consequences was. And I went through that process and I came out on top and I like to think that it made me a better person. Um, I like to think that um, it made me sh shrink my uh, my so-called circle of friends, too. It made me rethink a lot of things that were going on in my life as a young individual. And um, I, I, can, I, can, I can honestly say that was a pivotal point in my life to where a lot of things changed for me, along with my attitude. And yeah, I man. saw things. I feel, I, I feel you there. I mean, I, I could relate to it. There are parts of the book where I read when I went, man, just one mistake as a kid can change your life depending on how you get punished for that mistake. So many people don't get punished and the people who do, it's like, that was it. That was the mistake that changed your life forever. And I don't want to spoil parts of the book. So I want people to read it and, and just really appreciate that story. You, 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 you do an amazing job in everything that you do. You know, you crushed it in the NBA. You know, you crushed it in the film that you were in. And I'll tell you now, you've crushed it with your memoir. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for being different. Thank you for being Kevin Garnett. And thank you for joining me on the show. Trevor, I appreciate you, man. You're the dopest, man. Keep doing your thing, too, man. I'm a huge fan, and uh, I look for you in the future. Much appreciated, my dude. Don't forget, Kevin's memoir, KG A to Z, an uncensored encyclopedia of life, basketball, and everything in between is available right now. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go... This month is Black History Month, so please consider supporting an organization called Free Black Therapy. Their mission is to connect black therapists with black and African-American individuals who lack adequate funds or health insurance so that they can be treated for free. By supporting Free Black Therapy, you're helping black people in need to get culturally competent mental health care, as well as supporting black therapists. If you're able to help out in any way, then all you have to do is go to the link below. Until next time, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if you want to get a tattoo, get it on your finger. Then, if the tattoo becomes embarrassing, you can just chop the finger off and it'll grow back without the tattoo. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
This has been a Comedy Central podcast.